Guys, so it's so awesome to see all your beautiful faces here today, guys. It's been crazy. The holidays were wild, but <clears throat> here we are. Excuse me, I apologize. I have a little bit of a cough. Here we are on the last Sunday of 2013. God bless it. We've made it through 2013. Amen? Amen. When Sarah and I first started Impact City, we didn't set out to create and plant a church that was going to redefine what church was supposed to be like. We set out to plant a church that was going to refine what church and God had defined church to be like. Let me say it again, when we started Implant City, we did not create a church that was going to redefine the meaning of the church. We set out to create a church that was going to refine what God's definition of church was. All right, so uh, throughout all that, we've been doing this through, um, you know, we want that to be a community of believers that is on mission for the gospel. Okay, there is a community of believers that is on mission for the sake of the gospel. And we believe that is our purpose here at Impact City. And to be honest with you, we believe we do that pretty well. Uh, we're very happy with what, the way we do things. And we're just so excited about how all of that gets done. Uh, we also believe that we do that through a couple of different avenues in the way we do ministry. One, we do it through our discipleship and the way we, we make disciples. And we do that through uh, missional community and, and a bunch of different ways. We want to make disciples here in Impact City. That is the main purpose. We do that in a couple of ways. One is we live in community as a church. As a church, we gather together and we live in community as one body of Christ. We do that and we carry each other's struggles, our burdens, our highs and lows, uh, the ups and downs in our life. We also do that whenever we um, gather for missional city groups on Wednesday nights when we meet either at a restaurant or at someone's home. We come together and we just kind of live in community together throughout the week through Facebook, through social media. We're constantly through Instagram and we're constantly connected with each other in some form or fashion. I never want the center point of this church to be me at all, to where the only way that you know you is because you know me, and he knows me, and that's how you know each other. I want community to be building within the body of Christ, and we do that. We do that through disciple-making here. We do one-on-one disciple-making, which means that from time to time, I will take and invest in one of you men throughout the week. Uh, As a group of men, we do a group discipleship. We do one-on-one things. A lot of times, I just say, hey, Hey, uh, hey, Jay, I'm going to go down to the post office. Follow me. Let's go hang out. Let's talk for a while. You got, you got nothing going on? Or, hey, I'm barbecuing. Or, hey, I'm cutting my yard. Let's, or whatever. We're going to go cut this person's yard. Let's come, come let's get together and do stuff like that. That's discipleship. It's, 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 it's showing life through imitation. We do that through uh, one-on-one. We do it through group studies as well. And then finally, we do a lot of stuff called uh, expository preaching. Expo- expository preaching. Expository preaching is preaching verse by verse through a book of the Bible that is 100% guaranteed. So we know that for 100% guaranteed we're hearing from God and not from Pastor Felix. Because when we start listening to the words of man, then we start believing the words of man over the word of God. And so uh, so something that was been kind of convicted on me when we first started the church plant i was doing a lot of topical preaching which is like the top five ways to have a great awesome marriage you know or the the, or the top three ways for you to get out of debt you know and and 
that's, those are good. Those are great series. And from time to time, we'll preach a series like that every once in a while. But the main point of our message has got to be verse by verse through the Bible so that we hear from God as a body of believers and not hearing from the opinions of one man. And so we do expository preaching. That being said, I'm excited to announce that um, this coming up year, we're going to be getting into a new series. And if Ray can just hit that, that button for me uh, right there, we're going to be going into a new series called Mark, the King and His Cross in 2014. Now, we'll start this in January. It's going to be a verse-by-verse walk through the gospel of Mark. And every time I've seen this, as I've been researching this book, as I've been reading this book, and just in just chapter one, as I was looking at it and kind of going through how I would preach through chapter one, I realized that chapter one is going to be at least eight weeks long by itself. And so I'm expecting, you know, Mark's got tons of chapters into it. I'm expecting this to kind of carry us through the whole year, 2014, and kind of be our theme, our whole message for the whole 2014, the king and his cross. And so that's coming up in 2014. So um, looking forward to that. But um, moving on past that, um, I wanted to take a short look today and just kind of a look back on what we've been doing all uh, for 2013, and today I wanted us to look at the book of Third John. So, if you have your Bibles, open up your book to Third John. I want to take a serious look at the uh, message of community, a serious look at a message about community here, and that's one thing that we do here at Impact City. We're all about community. I can't stress that enough. But uh, community is messy. It's sticky. It, 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 it can be fun. It can be, it can be great. It can be kind of frustrating. <coughs> I want to kind of take a serious look at that. Mm. Because let's face it. Let's face it. 2013 was awesome, but we lost a lot of people in 2013. Amen? We lost a lot of people in 2013. And that's normal. Like, listen, that's normal. Okay, don't, if you go to a church that the people are always the same and they never grow or change or leave, you're not really in the church. You're probably more in a cult, okay? And so it's okay for people to come and go. That's healthy. That's great. It's, it's supposed to happen like that. Look, God is building a church here in Impact City. And what he is doing is he's bringing people in for seasons and he's moving them out for seasons. And some of those people have, have been in Impact City and they've served an awesome season in Impact City. And they, they, they served a, a purpose for Impact City at the time. But God has called them out to another place. And they're actually doing great things at other churches and, and awesome things. And we sent them out with love. And we sent them out with understanding. They came to me and said, Pastor Felix, I feel called to go someplace else. I'm like, well, then get the heck out of here, man, because if that's where God's calling you, who am I to send before God, you know? So um, we've got many people who left because of that, but we also have many people who left for unclear reasons. And those of us who stayed behind and who are still connected are left wondering, man, whatever happened to so-and-so, man? Or, man, you know, it's been so long, I haven't seen so-and-so in, in forever. Or, man, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? I haven't I haven't heard from that person in so long. It's not so clear what happened to these people. But one thing is clear is that in 2014, we're going to need all of each other to be able to get through 2014. 
I said this about a year ago here at, at, on, on not this stage, but in front of everyone, that if in 2013 was going to be the pivoting point of Impact City, where if we didn't start building momentum and get out of the hotel, that we we're going to probably start closing, thinking about closing the doors in 2014. But now we're out of the hotel. We have momentum. Everything's going great. We, have, we've, we, we were averaging close to 30, 40 people, which is a great start for a church start, right? And everything's going great. Right? And here we go. We got momentum. We got momentum. We're going to go building, building, building. And we're going into 2014. We're going to need everyone on board in 2014 to make 2014 be the, one of the best years we've had as a church. That we're going to reach more people. We're going to uh, impact the city as much as we can. We're going to impact people's lives as much as we can in 2014. And we're going to share and spread the gospel as much as possible in 2014. That's why we're going through the gospel of Mark. But we're going to need everyone on board. And so this letter that uh, in Third John is written by John, we'll kind of talk a little bit about uh, what kind of a disciple we need to have to, in order to achieve that type of mentality. So if you open your books to Third John, this is the third letter from John, the disciple of Jesus Christ, who is now an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's actually writing to what theologians believe is one of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. Okay, and more than likely he's writing this from the, 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 uh, the town of uh, Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And he's writing out to one of the churches that he is obviously a big part of, okay? And if you know anything about the churches in the book of Revelation, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, they started off as good churches when they were first planted, and everything's going good, and eventually they kind of went downhill. Most of them kind of went downhill, whether they, they lost their first love like Ephesus did, or, you know, whether Laodicea was, became lukewarm in their, in their pursuit of the gospel and the pursuit of Jesus Christ. They became just kind of, kind of lukewarm. They, ain't, they weren't hot nor cold. And, and, and remember what the Bible said about that? That God said, I would rather spit you out and vomit you out because of you being lukewarm, you know? <clears throat> and so we know this about the churches in the book of Revelation. So John is writing to one of those churches there. And we know that this letter was written before that point, before the point that the churches started to go downhill. But there was a, uh, a you're going to look into this letter, you're going to see a good and a bad side about this letter. You're going to see something good, you're going to see something bad with, with uh, what John is writing here. And so uh, let's go ahead and get started in verse 1. <clears throat> Verse 1 says this, To the elder, the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when I saw brothers, that when I saw the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in in the truth. Now what we see here is John writing a letter to the church and he's addressing one of the elders in the church, okay? And he's so excited about what Gaius is doing. Y'all say the name with me, Gaius. Gaius, all right? He's so excited about what Gaius is doing. Gaius is doing some amazing things. And in fact, the whole church is walking in the truth. He's talking about, I'm so excited about you guys and what you guys are doing, okay? They've been doing great things, but there's one thing in particular that kind of sticks out. Look at verse 5. He's on the stage, says, beloved. Now, if you guys remember, I call you guys beloved a lot because you guys are the church. You guys are the beloved church of Christ. So, uh, beloved, it is 
is a faithful thing that you do in all of your efforts for these brothers. Okay, do you remember these, these brothers? I'll tell you what, who these brothers were in just a little bit. These strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have, uh, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like this, that we may be that that may be fellow workers in the truth. And you guys, did you catch that? Did you catch what they were doing? They were basically living in community with other brothers of the faith of the truth. Okay, specifically uh, traveling missionaries. Here, there were these guys that would travel from church to church. And they would witness, and they would be spreaders of the gospel. They would go from here and there, and they would travel all the way around. And so, with the, the church is saying that that there was these guys that would come in, and Gaius is specifically the one who is kind of, kind of trying to lead up a group of people to love on these people, to share with these people, to support these people, to raise them up, to build more into them, to, to, um, to get them from this point to the next point. <coughs> and he said um, that they are to, they're doing such a good job that they're sending them off in a matter that is worthy of God. All right, so they're not just saying like, hey guys, thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, here's a to-go bag. We'll see you later. They're like, no, no, no. Hey guys, thanks for stopping by. We're going to pay your wages for like the next year, okay? And you're going to give you food. And we're going to give you anything you need to go. You want my car, bro? You got my car, man. Whatever you need to spread the gospel, go. This is what Gaius is doing, okay? And, um, the, you know, it, it says here, it says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts. This is verse 5. For these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you would do well to send them off on the journey in the matter worthy of God. As a pastor, that is like the home run for me. To hear of my church who is doing some great things, and specifically to hear of one member who is rising up as a leader, who is selflessly rising up and doing some great things throughout the church is an awesome thing. It's what we want to see. Is what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. Okay, we see it. We read about it um, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where they start talking about how the Holy Spirit came down and the people are living together in community. And it says right here in verse 44, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. It says that they lived together and had all things in common. It says they were selling their possessions and their belongings. They were distributing their proceeds to all, okay, as, as many and to anyone who had need. And day by day attending the temple courts together, they were they're breaking their bread in their homes. And they were receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. This is what God wants. God wants community within the body of believers. You read about it whenever uh, Paul's talking about the, uh, the body being made of many parts. We're all serving a different purpose, but serving one main purpose, which is being the body of Christ. You hear about it, it says, uh, in Corinthians, it says, For as, as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, through many, uh, are one body in Christ, individually members of another body. Okay, so this is God's way. God designed it. In fact, 100%, if 100% of, of us in the church were acting more like Gaius, we wouldn't have hunger, we wouldn't have poverty, we wouldn't have, um, you know, need within the community because the, the needs of the community were being met by the church. 
<coughs> but 100% of people don't live like Gaius. Uh, they, there's always one bad apple in the bunch, and if you keep looking on, uh, you'll, you'll figure this out here in verse 9. It says, I have written something to the church. Diophyses, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So I come, so if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to, and he also puts them out of the church. What John is acknowledging here is a problem that is going on in every church across the world and across denominations, across different cultures. This problem is in almost every church uh, throughout America, throughout the world. It's this, is that there is a guy named Diophyses, and if you're a guy named Diophyses, and uh, one, pretty much you're going to be upset because your name is Diophyses, but I, I guess if you like Diophyses, you think that's a cool name? But Diophyses is sowing discord among the believers. He's a troublemaker. He, he's stirring the pot. Okay, and he's got a good reason. The name is Diophyses, right? But what is he doing? Okay, he refuses to welcome the traveling missionaries, right? So while Gaius is like, come on, guys, everything's awesome, everything's great, welcome, welcome to the church. You know, here's Diophyses, he's over there in the corner with his arms crossed and just kind of snuffling. He's mad that, that these other believers are coming in, right? He's not even welcoming to them. He's, he's uh, encouraging others in the church to do the same. He's like, guys, we don't need to even be doing that. I know that's what Gaius is doing, and, and Gaius is all happy doing that stuff, right? But we don't have to, y'all, y'all, I don't think that's right. We don't need to be doing that, okay? Okay, he also kicks them out, okay? He kicks them out when others, um, when others try to help them, you know? So these guys are like all settling in for the night, and, and Diophysius is like, hey guys, I gotta break it to you guys. Y'all can't stay here. I know Gaius said you could stay here, <coughs> but you can't stay here, you know. Um, he also does not acknowledge authority. He doesn't acknowledge the authority of the elders of the church, okay? And um, he's talking wicked nonsense against the elders of the church. He's talking wicked nonsense against the elders of the church. He's saying like, Man, can you believe what Pastor Felix did? Oh my gosh, like, man, man, I can't believe that. Like, oh my God. And I heard he was speeding down Everhart, which is probably true, you know, but I heard he was doing this. Or, man, did you see that video he posted on Facebook? I just disagree with that. Uh, I don't really believe in that. I don't do this, you know. He's always sowing discord and disagreeing. Why does he do these things? Why does he do these things? If you look at the very start of that verse, it says, he likes to put himself first. Some translation says, because he loves to be a leader too much. He loves a leadership position too much. He's selfish. He's prideful. He's self-righteous. Diophyses is, is, is the typical guy in the church that's always like, yeah, that's awesome, but, but look at my idea. That's great, but I think we should do it this way. That's awesome what the church is doing, but I want to do things my way. And sadly, we still have problem people like this throughout the church, throughout America and throughout the world today. I say it with much sorrow in my heart, but it's true. And you say to yourself, now, what does this mean? 
How can we as a body of Christ, one body, have, have people like Gaius who is living selflessly, who is living for the gospel, for the pursuit of the gospel, for the sake of making disciples, on mission for the, the glory of God? And how can we have people like Gaius who are so good at what they're doing, who are so into community, and then we have people like uh, Diophyses who are so like against that. They're selfish. They're all about what, what they want. They'd rather be leading in their way than following and respecting the authority of the elders of the church. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you plain as day that the reason why we have people like that in the church, the reason why the church is, has, still has people living like that within the church is not because of their personality. Oh, that's just the way that Diophyses is, man. You know, oh, Dino, he's so crazy. You know, that's just the way he acts at times, you know. Uh, it's not because they're having bad days. It's like, oh, man, Diophyses is just having a bad day. He wants to just kind of take over and overthrow the church. He must be just really having a, he must be stressed, you know. It's not because of anything else except this one reason. It's because of the sin in their life. It's because of sin. Does that mean that they're not welcomed in the church? Absolutely not. Everyone's welcomed in the church. If, if, if all of us were to go out in the week, and this is hypothetically speaking, and all of us go out and sin throughout this week, a horrible sin, which is more than likely what most of us have done this week, you're still welcome here Sunday. You're still welcomed in my home. You're still welcomed throughout the community of believers. Why? Because that's what we do. We welcome the lost. Okay, we welcome each other's sins. We welcome each other's struggles. We want to bring that in. We want to nurture that. And as a broken wound is cut open, we want to mend that wound. Okay, everyone is welcome here in the church family, but everyone is also subject to church authority. And that is the difference between Diophyses and Gaius, is that Gaius has the same sins that Diophyses has. Okay, but Gaius has submitted himself to church authority eventually at one point in time, and Diophyses is not. And this may be very well one of the hardest messages I've preached, you know, especially because it's kind of very near to my heart, it's personal to me. But the reason why we have a loss of people that we've seen over the years be kind of drawn out of the church is because of a lack of respect for church authority. And as a result, they've left the community. Church authority and church discipline are vital to the building structure of a church. It's black and white. Structure is vital to the building of any building. Church discipline is the pier and beams to any home. Church discipline is the, the foundational rods within the foundation of the concrete that builds the, the church up. Church discipline is what decides what is the line that crosses to prevent something from going from bad to worse. Church discipline is one of the hardest things that I as a pastor have been learning to, to deal with. Because in my book, I'd rather just say nothing and let everything go on, going on the way it is. But eventually that's wrong. Where there is no discipline, there is no structure. 
And when there is no structure, everything falls apart. Now, I love how the message puts this in, 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 in Proverbs. It says this in Proverbs 3. You, you don't have to turn there. It says, um, But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't resist God's discipline. Don't resent it when it comes to you. Don't, don't put it away. He says, Don't soak under the loving correction. Don't soak under his loving correction. Like, look, if you come to church and you did something stupid, I'm going to call you out on it. Why? Because you did something stupid. I mean, like, what kind of a pastor would I be not to say, you're doing something stupid? I love you through it. Let's get over this thing. Let me help you get past it. You don't have to soak in it. He goes on to say, it is the, it's the child he loves that God corrects. How does God correct his child, he does it through his body, who is the body of Christ, which is the church, which is the elders of the church, the people that we are being discipled by. He helps those, he, he works through those people. It is the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all of this. So it's good to be disciplined in the church. It's good to be told that you screwed up. It's even better be, to be told you screwed up and we love you and there's a place for you here still that to work through this problem together as a community. That's what we do here. We love to work through those problems out, you know, work out those problems. This other proverb says, moral dropouts don't listen to their elders. Welcoming correction is a mark of good sense. Moral dropouts won't listen to their elders. And welcoming correction is a mark of good sense. It's good to be corrected. It's good. The offices is not getting this. Okay, if you're here today, you're dealing uh, with some type of conviction or something that, that maybe you're saying, like, man, you know, man, maybe I'm dealing with something. I mean, the way Felix is talking, maybe I'm not really welcomed here. Like, that's not true. I'm not... That's not the message I'm trying to put out to you here. Let me encourage you with this. This is verse 11 in 3 John. He says again to the church, he says, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. He says, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. I want to challenge you guys to, to, to open up yourselves to understanding what true love really is. True love doesn't say, I love you for who you are, and I want you to stay as you are. True love says, I love you for who you are, but I love you too dang much to leave you where you are. Here in, 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 the, in the church here in Impact City, we love each and every one of you guys and everyone that walks through that door. But I'm here to tell you that eventually there is going to be a point in time where the gospel is going to be confronted in front of their face and they will have to choose either pursue the gospel or run away from the gospel. This is not a seeker-friendly church. We have fun. We have a great time. And you know what? This is a great church to be a part of. But eventually, you will be encouraged and challenged to be a better disciple of Christ here in this church. And whenever we are faced with that, 
when we are faced with church authority and church discipline, we can either run towards the arms of Jesus and into the grace of Jesus, or we can run away and leave. And for the majority of us here today, we have chosen to follow Jesus and run towards Jesus whenever we are faced with the gospel and what the gospel is. Listen, guys, the gospel is terrible news before it's good news. Because the gospel will expose every dirtiness about yourself. But it is great news because it says that you still have hope in Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to ask yourself this. Are you Gaius or are you Diophrasis? Are you Gaius, the type of guy that's like Gaius in the church that's always selfless, that's bringing people up, that's serving the church? And a lot of you guys are here because you guys are showed up early. You guys are, are setting up. You're selflessly sacrificing sleep <coughs> and breakfast and, and just all around good hygiene and coming here early and helping us set up. Or are you more like Diophrases and you're just in the corner with your arms Shrugging like this, and I can't believe that pastor is doing that. Oh, I'm so mad at my pastor. Oh, I'm so mad at, at this. I, don't, I totally disagree with that. Are you going to be a gayist? Are you going to be like the Ophrises? And I pray that for 2014, we all become more, a little more like gayists in the church, willing to do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. I got one thing to show you guys after this. After we pray, then we're done. We're going to go. We're all going to go out to eat after this. Okay. <coughs> Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for a great year. I thank you for all the things you have done and what you have brought us through. And I pray that we would seek our hearts today to know where we are at. God, that we are all a vital piece of the foundation of this church. That you are, of course, the cornerstone, but we are is being built upon you. You're building into us. And I pray that you will continue to make us a righteous church, a church that loves your word above anything else. God, God a dangerous church that is willing to do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. A church that is willing to build community through constant constant conversation with people around us. Be a fearless church that's fearless enough to talk to people who we don't know about you, your son. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Y'all watch this real quick.